I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. Climate change is affecting everything, even your milk. In fact, it appears that India's rising heat is having a rather direct impact on the dairy sector. Why is this a concern? Because according to the New York Times, India produces more than 200 million tons of milk annually, making it the world's largest producer. The dairy sector predominantly relies on 80 million farmers nationwide, the majority of whom have small herds. And with the help of these farmers, the dairy industry has steadily expanded to a point that it contributes nearly 5% of India's GDP. But scientists are now saying that extreme weather is escalating the already concerning fodder deficit that is holding back the expansion of India's dairy industry. That combined with the rising costs of essentials and fuels is bad news for the dairy industry. The New York Times report highlights that this year's harsh heat wave began earlier than usual, with regular highs of 45 degrees Celsius in April, which eventually reached the 49 degree mark in May. And it is a known fact that milk production in India declines during the hotter seasons, but this year's extreme heat directly caused a decline of almost 11%. But it's not just heat that's affecting milk production. This year, the country has experienced erratic rains. For instance, the fields were completely flooded during the period when farmers anticipated less rain. And on the other hand, rainfall was below average during the time when it would actually help reduce the heat. Additionally, with wheat harvest decreasing by 15% this year, cattle couldn't get enough good quality fodder. The article mentions a small village in Karnal, where scientists from the National Dairy Research Institute are trying to find solutions to this milk production issue. According to their studies, the cattle are stressed out because of extreme weather. One of the things they're experimenting with is observing dozens of cattle feed while soft flute music plays in the background. But ultimately, what all of this is pointing at is the urgent necessity to address climate change. For the next few minutes, you are going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology, business, policy and anything that leaves you with a food for thought. Hello, I'm Farheen Khan and I was taking a short break from the daily hustle bustle. But I'm back now and this is the deep dive for August 26, 2022. One of the biggest menaces of our times, you'll agree, is fake news. And the onus is falling more and more on digital platforms where misinformation is spreading like nobody's business. YouTube, which in the past have been accused of not doing enough despite being a major hotbed of fake news, is now planning to run adverts that educate people on how to detect disinformation, basically telling them what are the telltale signs to watch out for. This method is called pre-bunking. Unlike debunking, Pre-bunking is seen to be more like a vaccination where a weakened form of a virus is introduced to a body to build resistance. And this idea can be traced back to the inoculation theory, which is a branch of psychological studies that was carried out by social psychologist William Maguire during the 1960s. Now, pre-bunking is not a new concept per se, but you can say that it is a relatively new method that fact-checkers, scientists and social media platforms have been trying out in the past few years. And now, researchers from Cambridge and Bristol universities who have been experimenting with pre-bunking are swearing by the results. This experiment involved around 30,000 participants and the researchers worked on it with YouTube and Jigsaw, which are both Google subsidiaries. 
you can find the peer review findings in the Scientific Advances Journal. Fake news is usually disinformation and misinformation that masquerades as legitimate facts. So what these guys did was develop five short videos that inoculate people against manipulation techniques that are commonly used in misinformation, such as emotionally manipulative language, incoherence, false dichotomies, scapegoating, and ad hominem attacks. These videos try to demonstrate how to spot manipulation techniques in headlines or social media platforms that make people believe fake news as facts. And what researchers found was that these videos improved manipulation technique recognition. They boosted confidence in spotting them, increased viewers' ability to tell trustworthy content apart from rich content, and also improved the quality of their sharing decisions. So armed with these new findings, Google plans to roll out these videos in Slovakia, Czech Republic, and Poland to combat fake news about Ukrainian refugees. Yet, a question remains on how long such an immunity against the virus of fake news lasts. We got in touch with Ruby Dingra, who is the managing editor of Newschecker.in, to get a practical understanding of this method. Newschecker is a fact-checking website. It is also a founding shareholder of Frontpage Media Technologies, the parent company of The Signal. So, we asked Ruby to tell us about how effective pre-bunking has been in the long run. And this is what she said. So different studies have different findings on misinformation. Some studies say that the effects of pre-bunking weaken over time due to various factors. There are also studies that say that debunking is more impactful than pre-bunking. In fact, a recent report by Harvard's Neiman Lab has found that if you want someone to not believe the false item that they have been exposed to, that they have consumed, the best time to fact-check it and have them remember the fact-check a week later is after they have consumed it, is after they have read that piece. But the bottom line for us is that a lot of people, especially those that are coming online for the first time thanks to smartphones, are unaware about how to navigate the online information environment. So most people have been taught that seeing is believing. And seeing with your own eyes is not enough anymore when it comes to the online world. So people end up falling prey to financial scams, health misinformation, privacy breaches, they part with their data without knowing what they're doing. So at Newschecker, we use both pre-bunking and debunking. But in our experience, pre-bunking can be effective in anticipating what could go viral and what could mislead people, but only in specific categories. For example, health and wellness. So it could be effective in preemptively refuting misinformation in specific domains, but it may not necessarily be the most useful or the most impactful way to tackle developing stories, especially those around politics, around current affairs, uh, on, you know, whether an earthquake has happened, a bomb blast or a terror attack. So when it comes to handling these sort of developing stories, um, pre-bunking might not be the most impactful way to tackle them, meaning that it may not help people to discern what's true and what's false when they, f they are faced with real-world news content like this. But it's not just Eastern Europe where YouTube needs to focus on tackling fake news. It's a worldwide problem. Only a few months back, a global coalition of fact-checkers that included around 80 groups from across the world had written a letter to YouTube's chief executive, Suzanne Wojcicki, describing the platform to be a major conduit for falsehoods. They also noted YouTube's failure to tackle misinformation, especially in the global south, and that includes India. In fact, in India, fake news has turned out to be an extremely real and tangible problem in every other social media platform. It's not limited to those silly posts on Facebook about how Kanda can cure COVID or how the 2000 rupee note has a microchip. 
Disinformation in the form of WhatsApp forwards have even led to many a few incidents of mob lynchings in the country. Yet, while fact-checkers are waging a war against fake news, the criticism against digital platforms is that they are not doing enough despite being the conduits of misinformation. And back to Ruby here, she talks about the kind of interventions that digital platforms need to take besides debunking and pre-bunking to combat this problem. Digital platforms need to work with the fact-checking community more and collaborate more to understand what our observations have been and what we can do together because we need more critical thinking on addressing the challenge together. So they need to widen interaction with stakeholders because this problem is not limited to just politics or just to one field. There is a massive amount of health misinformation. There is a massive amount of financial misinformation. These are just to name a few categories. Climate too. And generally you know, be more transparent about their efforts in this direction. Uh, another action that they could take is to actively flag and uh, take action against repeat offenders. This could be done, uh, this could be to the tune of labeling something as misleading or as false or just indicating that, uh, you know, this might not entirely be correct. And that is not the case for a lot of platforms. Now, another big one is supporting media literacy initiatives. The global deficit in digital media literacy has been identified as one of the critical factors that have contributed to why people believe misinformation in the first place. And there is conclusive evidence found by researchers that short scalable interventions to this effect can uh, fight misinformation around the world. Don't we all hope for fake news to reach the endemic stage? You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are TheSignal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter.